My name is Matt Brown. Second and ten, quick pass outside, and that is complete. That is Moreau, and Moreau fighting for yardage. The ball is loose again. Uh-oh. Picked up by That's- the Cardinals. This is Byron Murphy to the end zone for game. the touchdown and the win. And let's start the show. Pass intercepted. It's picked off. Ashton Davis. Stunned disbelief on one side and jubilation for the Jets. Unbelievable. The Jets overcoming a 13-point deficit in the final minute, 55 seconds. There's your final... is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. Oh my goodness, the days keep rolling on. And we have an amazing, absolutely amazing week two NFL reaction. And then we preview the week after that as week three is right around the corner. So we have a lot of fun ahead for each and every single one of you. And before we experience all that fun and enjoy some quality Productive Conversations content, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasted platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content content regarding this show on Productive Conversations podcast.com and don't forget to check us out in the world of social media we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast we're on twitter at prod convo pod we're on tiktok at productive conversations and thank you to dolo for making all of this possible with all the great work you do for our social media content so week two of the national football league wasn't it as awesome as we expected it to be there was plenty of thrillers a few upsets and only a few whimpers. So where do we start from? The New York Giants turning into a 2-0 football team. We saw Josh Allen and the Bills continue their pursuit of being a perfect football team. We saw fights between the Saints and the Bucks. We saw the Browns blow a 13-point lead to the New York Jets with 155 left in the game. We saw Mike McDaniel lead the Dolphins to an improbable comeback against the Ravens on the road. We saw this duel between Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, which led up to the hype. You saw Alex's Raiders absolutely blow it against the Cardinals. We're going to make fun of him for that. And then more stuff in between. The Colts don't look good. The Cowboys actually won with Cooper Rush. Joe Burrow and the Bengals are really experiencing a Super Bowl hangover and lots of more stories to discuss. So Brian and Alex are back with us once again. Time to have a lot of laughs, you know, maybe take some jabs at each other, enjoy the banter, and just have a lot of fun discussing NFL football as per usual. So here we go. We're going to review week two of the NFL. We're going to preview week three. Give you another edition of upsets, whimpers, and thrillers, and uh, 
grow up and to be better men as we just continue to create great content for each and every single one of you. So let's do it once again. Brian and Alex, it's your guys' turn. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. One, do you remember the 21st night of September when we release this week's second week two, week two NFL reaction and preview and all in between? There's a lot of shit talking that's about to unfold and a lot of fun in between. So Alex Ranelli and Brian McKeon's here. What's up, guys? What's going on? Gentlemen. Going to be a good one. Let's have some fun today. Where do we start? Let's talk about how this was a week of improbables taking all over the place. There were some insane comebacks, some utter defeats, but most importantly, it was awesome, cutthroat, blunt force trauma NFL football. So let's start with the Jets and Browns, who after we made fun of them in one of our reels, they pulled off an improbable comeback. Down 13 points with 155 left in the fourth quarter. They somehow pulled it off. A 99.9% winning percentage in the ESPN. Uh, what do they call those? The uh, Those charts. And they still lost. Unbelievable. When, I mean, everything just went right. Ante got the onside kick. Corey Davis was wide open in the Browns territory. And Joe Flacco, for one day only, even if it's one day only, was his self. And you can ask the question again, is he elite? So my question with this and the Jets, was this more of a Jets improbable victory or did the Browns just essentially lose their season already fucking this up? (laughs) Seriously, you cannot come back after this and you have 15 weeks to go. I think it's a combination of both. I think it's the Cleveland defense is, uh, you know, overrated, I would say, um, in this sense, because their secondary that has been uh, well sought after um, just because of the draft picks that they've gone in recent years and free agency acquisitions. So like Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, and then Greg Newsom and um, Johnson the third, uh, to name a few in the secondary, have been you know, hyped up to really be this lockdown secondary. Um, and as we see with the Jets, you know, Joe Flacco tore them up, throwing four touchdowns, and you had two guys above 80 yards receiving for the Jets. So obviously we're seeing some issues in their secondary. It also could be a combination of maybe the pass rush isn't just isn't getting there enough. They did have two sacks, uh, the Cleveland defense, but uh, maybe they just need to get there more and get a little, uh, you know, Joe Flacco, you know, to get 26 of 44 passes off for completions, it really shouldn't be happening at this point in his career and the way that offensive line is of the Jets. So, uh, yeah, I feel like it falls on Cleveland, but at the same time, the Jets do have uh, – they held their own. They had some composure. Saved it for Robert Sala indeed. Well, I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, why, uh, Cleveland blew it. Um, I don't know how else to put it, but, uh, you know, when you give up – to Flacco, a 65-yard bomb in 10 seconds, and then you and then you miss and you muff an onside. Um, yeah, <laughs> you blew it, and it's a precursor for a one, uh, two and 15 season, if you ask me. Yeah, literally, this is their karma for giving Deshaun Watson that large contract of guaranteed money. <laughs> Absolutely, there's one loss, <laughs> all in all, and you know, hands to the Jets for sticking it in there. 
Because if that happened, we would just continue our roasting of them. And now they're going to play a weak Bengals team. And um, I guess if they if, if they want to, you know, prove what they got, this is their chance. But, wow, the Jets really, uh, they pulled it off to save their coach's ass. And, I mean, it's week two, but I feel like it's December already with how tense these games and how much weight they are to them. Well, I actually picked this game um, before our season preview. Um, for the Jets to get their first win um, this week. So, yes, you did. Yeah, I feel good about it because, you know, like I said, the first third of the season, those first eight week, uh, first six weeks, all the bad teams masquerade as good teams and vice versa. So you're going to have a lot. I think each week up until week six or seven, we're going to have a game like this that we're talking about. Oh, we're going to be all in it <laughs> with the front row. As long as it's not me again, otherwise I'll rip my hair out. Hey, yeah. man, we're going to get to you real soon. Alex, don't you worry. But first, let's talk about my team who won again. The 2-0, yes, 2-0 New York football giants. Yes, sir. Okay, it's fit to be fair. It really could have gone either way. First half was not looking pretty. Daniel Jones almost threw one of the worst pick six I've ever seen in the history of competitive <laughs> football. He literally was like, yo, throw, catch this. And he dropped. But Ollie, the turning point, Saquon Barkley turns it up in the second half. And taking advantage of Baker Mayfield's struggles and putting pressure on him and wait until we get Aziz and Kevon Thibodeau back, it ultimately leads to a giant victory. And now our momentum is even higher and higher with this. How we feel about the Giants and, you know, how I feel. I am on cloud nine. But I'm not stupid either. That game could have gone either way. But do you guys have anything to add to it? Do we think that this can lead to maybe an even a 4-0 start? Shouts to Brian Dayball and the personnel because they put in the game. Went Markendale also has some fucking balls, doing some safety blitz to pressure Baker. That was sweet. And um, you could also count that Baker looks really bad in Carolina after two weeks. What Look else do we have to say about those two? <laughs> pathetic yes well, there's a few um there's a few encouraging things matt before we uh put a bow tie on week two for you guys but um no i mean it was really encouraging to see the third you know um that you guys dominated time of possession and even though saquon was only getting three and a half uh per carry um it looked like you guys really had a good handle on the offense this week now i know that there was you had a few hard attacks with daniel jones but if you can get wins where you can get them um, on the offense, that's a huge sign because that's what David was brought there for. So I definitely just think there's a lot of encouraging signs there um, on both sides of the ball, particularly how you guys um, uh, took advantage of time possessions too. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. dude. I would say uh, I'm happy at 2-0, um, even, even, even if I am an NFC's rival. Um, <laughs> but I need to see more from them against competitive teams. They've played the two worst teams so far in the league, in my opinion. The two uh, worst teams in the league? <laughs> yeah, like I honestly haven't landed in Seattle above Carolina and Tennessee at this point. They're both dumpster fires, aging teams. Uh, one's an aging team, one is a young team. So I don't really count. It's really like a point. It's really like they have a three quarters of a win against these two teams at this point. Um, so I need more. Once they play Monday night against Dallas, um, when they win that game, I'll say, I'll have some faith. And talking about the Dallas Cowboys, and we could transition to there. The Cooper Rush wins it. They beat the AFC champions. Micah Parsons, how many sacks? What? Two. Two sacks. Um, 
The Great. offensive line for the Bengals looks is like a complete joke. They said they fixed it, and they clearly didn't. Joe Burrow, how many times in total did he get sacked? Like, I don't I six times. Know. Yeah, six, six times. Six times on. Yeah, six times and thirty-four pressures. What in the hell is this? Plus, um, <laughs> I mean, wow. What in the hell is this? Who, who, what's funny? What's funny? Let's let's talk about the Bengals. Is it over for them? Were they on a lucky stride? I was talking with one. I was potting last night with the friend Danny, and he said that this proves that the Bengals were just the luckiest team in the last eight weeks of the season, and the luck has run out. Do you agree with him? Alex, you could go first since I want to talk about Dallas. No, no. I mean, this is like again, this is a proverbial, proverbial Super Bowl hangover team for the team that loses the year before. I think I have a lot of faith in the infrastructure with this team. I mean, in years past, they've always been kind of the cheapskates of the NFL, but the way that they've backed Burrow, the way they've solidified that line, put weapons around him, <clears throat> really put all the investment on the offensive side of the ball and having studs on their front four and their secondary, including topping it off with a dope-ass kicker. I think they're going to be um, in for the long haul. They're going to be there every year contending in the AFC with you know Buffalo and with, uh, uh, with Baltimore and um, Kansas City. <clears throat> In Kansas City and the Chargers, and you know if they can get their shit together. So, um, yeah, I think they'll be there even if they do have a down year ultimately this year. But I still have faith that this is just early season woes where they're figuring shit out. And they will ultimately can get revenge off the Jets. This is the time to do it because if you lose to the Jets, you have some serious problems. Oh my goodness! Now let's talk about the Dallas side of it. Oh, How Brian, do you feel about? You got I would I agree with you completely, except one thing. I feel like I've never seen a team that could go from worst team in the league to best team in the league because of like the need of one position. And that's the offensive line. They really need to like a trade deadline. They got to They got to pay some premier draft picks to pick up one or two offensive linemen by the trade deadline, because if they're sitting at 500, this is a team like last year that could go ball out in the last eight games. Yes, for sure. All right, all right, all right. So talk to me about Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott. Only 15 carries for 53 yards, but um, was productive. We have um, we had Noah Brown outscore CeeDee Lamb um, in this game. You know, Mike McCarthy seemed pretty confident. I don't know if you guys saw the press conference where some guy just said the communists will win. But clearly there's something in the air in Dallas after this exciting win down in um, Jerryland. Probably out in stadium. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Matt. You're good. You're good. But, um, you know, kind of weak run game throughout. But yet the defense really carried them into it. Talk to me about Dallas, Brian. It's not over. I'm shocked. I literally was speechless during this game. Um, I had a little faith in Cooper Rush, but honestly, that was misplaced just because of my feelings after the first game that there's just no hope of being a Cowboys fan. Um, he looked good. He looked really good. He, he was 19 of 31, 235 yards, one touchdown. He got sacked once. He had a QBR of 78.1. What could you ask for for a backup quarterback that's only started one other game in his career? You know, he played well. Um, looking at both the teams, though, he, uh, Cincinnati ran the ball 25 times and Dallas ran 27. So, you know, Zeke's production 
isn't going to be, it's not the way it is because of aging, but it's also just the way the scheme's going uh, based on situation. Um, you know, 15 carries for 53 with Zeke. I'm okay with that right now. You know what I mean? Um, we got, you know, if he was in for the Pollard play, maybe he's the one that gets the 43 yard run for that almost got into a touchdown. So it's really, you know, luck and situational. I feel with that. Um, I like the combo. Listen, as long as they both of them combined, it was 96 yards and a touchdown. I'll take that any day of the week. It's now it's a committee. You know what I mean? They, they play like San Francisco in the backfield now and the receiving core. It makes sense to my eyes that Noah Brown is having a better, uh, spotlight with Cooper Rush just because they're both predominantly on the second team the last few seasons. So they have more of a chemistry than that of Cooper Rush and C.D. Lamb. Um, so I expect him until Dak gets back to get, a, a you know, not I would say more targets, but I would say more yardage just in the sense that Cooper Rush knows the route tree of Noah Brown better and could hit him in places where um, – for C.D. Lamb, he may not know is, you know, you know, might not have the same chemistry as him and Dak did. So, you know, that's okay. But I expect with Michael Gallup coming back possibly this week against the Giants for them to, you know, continue the strong push to, you know, stay above 500 without Dak and with this defense killing it. Micah Parsons, the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, Brian, let's talk about – the one F in the room before we uh, put Alex in some pain. Monday nights, I want the New York Giants to put your Dallas Cowboys on their rear ends. I want them to fucking bleed. I want them to suffer. <laughs> I want the Giants to prove they are legitimate in the National Football League again. I want you to be upset. And a week from today, I want to make fun of you because you look made Daniel Jones look so legit. We have some things and people missing on our defense, but I don't give a shit. This is our time. The Giants are two and a half point favorites, and I want you to laugh because you're so nervous that my team beat your team. What do you have to say to that? Dallas wins 23-20 in overtime on a 55-yard field goal. Hey, man, we're getting that shit's not going to happen. If we have Kevin <laughs> Thibodeau come back, I want to see Cooper Rush's helmet come off. I want here's, this energy next Tuesday. Here's my thing. My pass rush is going to destroy your offensive line. So it, this is the only hope, in my opinion, for the Giants. Got to do a lot of halfback draw and a lot of screens with, with Barkley because my rush is going to get four yards before your offensive line can backpedal two yards. So you better just get those plays with a little bit of delay and let him cut right up those seams and get to the second level. It's your only hope. You are not going to pull this off when we have Andrew Thomas, who's now the best left tackle in the game. It's going to be a fun time. Dalton Schultz injured, possibly. That sucks for me in fantasy, but I can't. I just can't start him in fantasy against my team. But you, you know what? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Send it to me tomorrow and I'll consider it. But all the fun. Saquon's going to tear up that backfield like Jimmy Butler and Rachel Nichols. Hey oh Oh, my hey. goodness. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Whoa, how are we Ryan, doing? It's going to be a lot of fun in all seriousness, and we all know it's in good fun. So oh, let's bring Can't it wait. in. Let's bring it to that same energy when we react to it a day after. Monday Night Football is going to be fun. Giants, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Now it's your turn, Alex. 
Let's look at this. I saved this picture specifically. Oof. Here we go, Alex. Do you uh, remember where you were when the score was doot, doot, tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Oh, <laughs> man, when you were at that Big E enjoying your deep-fried cheeseburger on a stick, do you remember when it was the third quarter and your team was up 20 to nothing and you blew it? Oh, the pain. Just killing momentum. And Devontae Adams was actually stopped by this questionable secondary. And ultimately, uh, one of the most embarrassing plays in the history of football in 2022. Hunter Renfro fumbled. No, yeah, he fumbles him. In, right in their own end zone. I'm uh, oh, sorry, in their own backfield. And it leads to a Raiders loss. Of 29 to 23, where you see Kyler Murray dancing around in that in um, Vegas. And ultimately, some guy was trying to get to avenge your team, trying to slap him. But it ultimately failed. And they just ripped your heart and stomped on it. Bam, bam. Alex, just tell me how you're feeling right now. Why are you mad? Well, I was pissed Sunday night because... I was fat and happy. I was waiting for the EMT to pick me up in the uh, the fried dough tent because I was fucking chugging beers and watching the games. And then my team ripped my heart right out of my chest. And I got to watch all this bullshit with Kyler dancing in the pocket like he's on fucking Dancing with the Stars. Dude, oh, that was bro. the most Madden play of all time. What, what? How long was that possession alone? He was 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Oh, that horse. defense was gassed. What is going on? Bro, I told you at the beginning of the season, our secondary looks like the last shit I took. And it was going to be the pain of my existence this season. So I can't say that I didn't foresee it happening, but I didn't expect him to hurt me like this. Look, I Renfro was the heart and soul. He kept that, he kept that ship afloat last year with all the bullshit we went through. And it's almost like it's almost like you got it's like you got a it's like you got a girlfriend who's given you everything, checked all the boxes for you. And then she just ends up leaving you like right at the time when you expect them to come through in the clutch and she's out the door. She got all your shit. She got all your credit cards, all this bullshit. No, he did dirty. He did to me dirty like that. But I got to tell you, (laughs) it's only week two in this offense. This is still McDaniel's (laughs) squad. I got to ride with this shit going down, going down to the end of the season and uh, we'll make it work. If it's going to work, we're going to make it work. So I can't let two weeks phase me out, but Owen two hurts. It fucking hurts, bro. Respect, respect there in uh, not putting your hand in the Zen, but man, again, Brian, do you think this was uh, the Raiders fucking up or the Cardinals willing to win? I'll save it time. Of course it was. We fucked it up. Raiders fucked up completely. Like Cardinals mm-hmm. are an old team and a bit a bad offense. Like I just don't like the Cardinals the way they play anymore. Like they didn't even have James Conner. They don't even have DeAndre Hopkins, and they put up twenty nine points. Like shit. At that point, they put should have put JJ Water running back, and he would have gotten yards on your defense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I count the Raiders this year as a trial run for auditions for defensive stars in the league to come over because they're going to see this offense and say, "I want, I want me something to go over there and play." So uh, I hope you guys, you know, every time you go to a team, you have a little steak dinner with their top players after for recruiting yeah. visits. This is a, 
this is a lost season. You just got to get some acquisitions by the end of the year next year. Well, well, well and here's the, here's the, here's the deal. Like they got they got ball players. They got Yasin from um, from Indianapolis. They got Nate Hobbs on the other side, who's an actual beast. And they got Perriman at free safety, so they got talent. I mean, Perriman made the Pro Bowl last year, and it's just like, bro, you just can't. It, it's just like. You just cannot give up a touchdown with all those opportunities that 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 team in that stadium at the home opener gave you to 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 stop the Cardinals. It shouldn't even have come to a game winning drive like that. And it certainly shouldn't have come to that position where they gave you a bunny on a platter for a field goal to take the game home and they fucking blew it. So there was just so many, there's so many chapters and instances during that game where they could have shut the door on Cardinals and they just continue to let them hang around. So shame on I'll, that. I'll always say it. You could have as much talent, talent as you want, but it's all about discipline in football and your defense doesn't have discipline. That's what New England did. Remember they were never yeah. high flyers on offense. They took care of the ball. They won all three phases and they just basically strangled people out. That's it. Oh, the pain. Oh, the pain. Now let's talk about the other improbable comeback, the third one. We mentioned the Jets. We mentioned the uh, Raiders. We mentioned Jets and Browns, Raiders, Cardinals. There was a time in the Miami and Baltimore game where it was 35-14 to in the fourth quarter. And how did it end up? We had the Miami Dolphins (laughs) win 42-38. to After Lamar Jackson played one of the best games a quarterback can ever play, both with his feet and in the air, throwing the ball. Guys, just what the hell happened there? Is this Miami team showing that they're legit? Mike McDaniel beats Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh, two Super Bowl winning coaches. This offense, when they're on point, when two is on point, they can score. Don't forget, Mike Jacecki is a pretty damn good tight end himself. When you have um, Waddle and Hill on both sides, I mean, obviously, two has not scored six touchdowns every game, but they this team can can score points being led by a Yale grad offensive genius. Does this show that the Dolphins pretty much will not be intimidated throughout the season? Because the Ravens can be argued as at least a top 10 defense in this league. And they, on the road, proved that they uh, – can can uh, score against anyone? How do we feel about this? This is uh, this is the the growing up moment for Tua Tagovailoa. He became a man today. So does Lions. The man is here to stay. He, this game if, is a this is, is a coming of age game almost coming of age game. It's a coming of age game. I feel the man. You know, he played. In my opinion, right now is like the third best team in the AFC. Just on offense, on an offensive uh, look, you know, he just beat them. He came back and he, you know, he had to keep on answering Lamar Jackson, the human cheat code, every single time. It's 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 demoralizing when you just see that man run seventy five yard touchdown, touchdown pass, touchdown pass, convert first downs, and it's like you know you hear all the shit about yourself that you're not a good offensive player, you know, as quarterback you have your flaws, and you've seen a god on the other side of the field. <laughs> And they somehow rallied together and they did it, you know. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, 11 catches each, above uh, both of them above 100, 150 yards receiving and had two yeah, touchdowns each. Yeah, they both got 200 each. 190, 190, 190 and 171. 171, yeah. Okay, excuse me. Well, you're right there. 
Yeah, but it, it comes off on the Baltimore defense got lackadaisical, like the Raiders with a big league, and they started playing soft. It's always a big problem. You know, you start lessening up on defense because you don't want players to get hurt. You start rotating in backups here and there. You know, you might not, you might be just running a base defense, not like, you know, some crazy schemes. Cause at this point, you don't want to show too much to the next team on film the following week. So you just want to play your base defense and just, you know, ride out on, run out, run out, run out the game, you know, run out the clock and go. So, you know, it's on Baltimore, but at the same time, Miami, it's time. Yeah. No, you made, made a lot of great points. Yeah. I mean, it was the way it was the way they won too, because if you look back to last season, I mean, even though they had um, you know a positive win, you know win column season, they they only had one or two formulas in the way that they won games. They had to be they had to, they had to preserve their leads. They had to have ball control, a lot of checkdown stuff, a lot of you know even though they didn't have a run game, they were very limited. But um, they really had to rely heavily on that defense, and it showed you that they can win more than one way in this league. Um, I totally agree with everything you guys said. I think that you know week to week, depending on where you know the power rankings are across the AFC I could see them straddling anywhere from 7 to 3 in the power rankings just in the AFC alone and a lot of things that really um <clears throat> concern me going into this game um kind of answered themselves the one the one stat that really was profound for me was third down efficiency 7 of 11 uh for Tua in that offense was unbelievable um they dominated time possession you know over 9 more minutes um uh even though um, Baltimore dominated them early in the first half, but um, the way, you know, the resilience of this team, especially for a rookie head coach, we haven't really seen through the first two weeks across the league. And um, I think this could be a special year if they keep their health and their wits about them. So let's, let's see what happens. Let's I'll, mention, happens. I'll mention one thing that I always look at for stats and games like this, you look at who actually got the most tackles on defense. And if you look at Baltimore's defense, the top, Six, five out of the top six tacklers on the team were in the secondary at cornerback or safety. That's very <laughs> key. If you look at Miami, though, Miami's lead tackler was a defensive end, and the other two were two safeties playing at slots, so really at the line. And the next one was a Landon Roberts, a linebacker. So that's where you got to really look at your defense and show where the passing is, you know, and the skill of, you know, your rush and your secondary be able to get past deflections. You got to look at those tackle stats. Yeah, no doubt. You know, tempers really flared in New Orleans this past week with Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore again, even though people should say didn't Leonard Fournette, wasn't that his battle to fight? And you see Tom Brady, the 45-year-old man, get in his face. And that in a game that was pretty boring and didn't really uh, show much, but... Um, Ultimately, the Bucks break the skid. Uh, Tom Brady gets a win in New Orleans, which is rare. Uh, concerns about Jameis Winston's health is apparent. And now we'll see what's going on in the NFC South from here on out. Besides the uh, fight and besides the Bucks winning, what else did you guys get out of this matchup? Fire the doctor of the New Orleans Saints. Like the fact that he has three back fractures before the game I text you guys is like why is he even on the field and he got sacked six more times this game like do you want to kill someone like this game is not worth it that's the Chargers health. doctor is it is it the same one no I no feel no like it is. oh yeah yeah he is that basically you know what I mean like <laughs> I just don't understand that like before the fourth quarter, Jameis Winston was playing okay. Listen, he threw picks. He he had a, you know, it happens. You have a bad game. 
Um, but like, I also think injury and getting, having that amount of pressure on him, just literally physical pressure from that defensive line is the reasons for those things to occur. Um, and then with Tampa Bay, I'm never starting Tom Brady again at quarterback for my fantasy league ever, just because he's so much less of what he was. I've never, I'd never thought I would see the drop off from Tom Brady. I'm seeing the drop off. I'm seeing the drop off. And was, I know he doesn't have weapons and Evans was gone. Julio Jones and Godwin were out. Okay. But like Tom Brady used to be able to do more with less. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing age. I think his couples therapy on Wednesdays when he has off might be affecting him. <laughs> I'm a little worried about this Tampa team, to be honest. Well, well, we, I think all three of us were to some extent, you know, in terms of how we want to quantify concern, but I mean, I'm not going to judge um, the go by, you know, the week, you know, the week on the road where they're playing their divisional rival, um, because we know that, you know, leading up to this week that he's had a lot of trouble facing off against New Orleans, both home and away uh, in years past since he got to Tampa. So I'm definitely not going to judge him on the sins of that game. Uh, it was pretty ugly. It was kind of, a, you know, just a, a tough him out kind of game. But it definitely showed me a lot about their mental fortitude and how they can push through adversity um, throughout, you know, the remainder of the season. Cause like you said, you know, Brian, um, the, he's, he's bereft of um, a lot of his talent on offense. He doesn't have the weapons that he had in years past. Um, he didn't have Godwin and Gronk and so on. So I think that the fact that he was able to do what he could with the, with the roster that he did have makes me feel more confident that when he gets guys healthy, as the year goes on, um, they'll be able to face up with some of these heavy hitters in the NFC. And luckily, the conference is not as good as it was in years past, so they have that going for them too. I'll agree with you with that. I'll re I'll rephrase my thing. I'm noticing his my take. I'm noticing his age a lot more than yeah. in the last yeah. two games. Even against Dallas, <laughs> I noticed his age. The man's 45. Right. Yeah. No, I hear you, and mm-hmm. and I have the same uh, same concerns. I think what they'll start doing is. Um, they're going to start sizing up some of these week-to-week schedules and really picking their spots where they want to put Brady um, out there because you really don't want to run him into um, any risk with uh, a really strong front four pass rush. So I got Absolutely. you. Last funny thing on this. What do you think about Bruce Arians on the sidelines? <laughs> <laughs> I looked twice. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> you know, one of the lamest excuses I heard, apparently – I don't know how accurate this is, and I might be um, fumbling what actually happened. They said because of all the personnel in um, Tampa, there just wasn't enough room for them because of like, like for like the game production and stuff. I don't know, but it was probably just a lame excuse last, to just get away with it. Last quick thing too, um, if you look, took a quick glance at the schedule, they got Green Bay at home, and then they have the Chiefs yes. coming home as well. So they could very much. Um, lose out on both those games, but I would still feel confident moving forward that they figure some shit out because you got the Falcons, you got the Steelers on the road, and you got the Panthers. So those are three gimmies to get you back into place. Yeah, should at least win one of them to keep some momentum and we'll see what happens. Yo, the Bills on Monday night, 41-7. So who wants to say that they're going to go undefeated this year? Is this team as perfect as it can be? Um, well, they finally had their first punt in the third quarter. They just keep scoring. They just keep stopping. They score on both sides of the ball. Um, Josh Allen already making a case for MVP after two weeks. Brian, you put your hand up. Bills are going undefeated this year. You want to go on the record for that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever seen a team play this mad before? Not necessarily, no. Are they, they, I've never. Just, not in like, except on like Hardo high school teams. Okay. Yeah. I, I've never seen a team play this frustrated, like, anger from the years. It's like, it's like they took it. I don't know. Maybe Jim, Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas talked to him, was talked about the four fall, falls of Buffalo and then was like, you don't want this to happen again. And then and don't forget playing. losing in uh losing on the luckiest circumstances yeah. for Kansas city. Maybe it's, this it's is it. Crazy. I don't know. It's been a long time. I mean, well, it's never happened. Long time since they won the super bowl, but yeah. Um, it's crazy, but it's also an overreaction. It's over. It's also like an overreaction. Tennessee's the worst team in the league right now, just because of offensive risk. Derrick Henry looks like he's a shell. Um, Derrick Henry does offense, look pretty bad. The offensive, which at the same time though, running back is one of those positions like receiver. It's dependent on another person. The offensive line is not playing up to the way they need to be. They've lost some people, some injuries and stuff yeah. like that. It's age. What do you say? Oh, I'm sorry, Brian. I just want to say they lost Taylor Lewan. What the first quarter? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's hard. You know what I mean? It's hard. And that Bills defense is ridiculous. So you know what? It happens. But uh, you know, the passing game for the Titans is the weak link, and they really I I, I really think they need to go to Malik Willis um yeah, sooner than later. That. Sooner than later, because you know, I think Ryan Tannehill's a starter in the league, but I think for this team they need the mobility because of the lack of offensive line talent and the way their receiving core is, they need that mobility to open up doors. So I expect him to be starting by week five. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the only thing that could really derail this team is just injuries and attrition, uh, maybe getting a little fat and happy through the through the season. But I think I, I really doubt it because I, I think this team is so goddamn hungry. They look pissed off like every possession they have. And I understand that it's up in Buffalo and those those fans are starving um, uh, pack animals. But um, I love everything about this team. There's really nothing I could even say to like really critique uh, this team. I like what I saw with uh, James Cook. I thought he had a bounce back uh, confidence boost, you know, pick up about 50 yards to carry um, in that uh, uh, 53 yards, you know, with uh, 4.8 um, per carry. And, um, you know, you know, just digs being digs. They were, you know, they were getting the ball around. Kumro had 50 yards. Dawson Knox got touches. McKenzie. Um, they look not only um, uh, indestructible, they look unpredictable, which is almost even more scary because it means they can meet, they can beat you in such a multitude of ways. And I think the cherry on top uh, with that front four was getting Von Miller. Harrison Thompson was a beast last night, a guy that they, the, the uh, guy's number they never call the season that really gets no love but i wanted to give him a little shout out today too is that uh uh this team looks um just absolutely unstoppable i mean they dominated every every facet um uh, without without gabe davis yeah that too it's even crazier <laughs> 41 points without your 41 points without probably a top 15 receiver yep exactly yeah the, it looks like the only thing and hope doesn't happen is if injuries play this team and I mean, when you make the Super Bowl champions look like a joke, then the reigning number one seed in the AFC look like a joke. Well, it's going to be a fun season up in Western New York. So, Patriots and Steelers, I think I can accurately say that my whimper prediction became true. Uh, 17 to 14, the Patriots do win, but pretty much it was the defense that saved the Patriots again with a Wattless Steelers team. 
Mitch Trubisky only had 168 yards with 31 attempts and only completing 21 of them throws a pick. Um, Najee Harris only gets less than 50 yards on 50 carries. Um, Pittsburgh, even though they're at 500 at the moment, there's plenty of concern. And I guess the big question we can ask is if it's time for Kenny Pickett to come in the forefront. Nope. You say no, Brian. Offensive line is the offensive line is just too bad. I'm I, I don't I don't want to see him get I don't want to see him get murdered. I'm not I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't I don't this offensive line is very sketchy to me. Um and I think Trubisky is getting pressured a significant amount. Um yes, he has some limitations, but I just think that this is not a quarterback friendly offense right now, based on uh what I've seen in the last two games. Mm. Yeah, but, but here's the thing, though. So you're going to stagnate his entire growth for 18 weeks because they have a bad offensive line? I'm all about about the mental reps and the he, – he will – his listen, I've seen too many rookie quarterbacks and, you know, go into the league and get decimated because of the lack of resources around them. Like, let's look at the Jets. Like, they you put, know what I mean? Like, but in the they, last – They put Trey Lance on the sideline all of last season and week two, he's already hurt. So I don't even understand the, the logic behind keeping a guy sheltered like that. He's a four-year college starter. This is not, this is more, this is an exception, not the rule. And I think that when you have that kind of experience and raw talent and a young guy who's built the right way, you can afford to throw him to the wolves. And I just think that there's so many more things that you could dial up on offense to protect a guy, getting the ball out quickly like they did with big Ben. He has receivers. He's got a stout running game. Um, even once um, uh, Najee Harris comes back, but I mean, they don't. They ha- they have very winnable games through the midway of the season. So it depends, I guess, until what uh, the point of where by which you actually release him out. And you know, um, as, as a starter, like if he, like I wouldn't advise putting him out there. You know, the week against the Eagles or a week against the Dolphins. But I would put him out there against the Atlanta game. You know, midway through the season. So I guess it just depends on how much you want to salvage of the season, what your expectations are, and how much development you want to get in year one. Because I agree with you. They have offensive line problems. I just don't think that sheltering them on the sideline like they did with Trey Lance in San Francisco isn't necessarily the um, the way to go. Because I understand that he's also an exception, but um, you got to find out what you have. Yeah, I understand that. I just think that he's so – I think he is ready, and I think he's ready to start that I don't think it matters if he gets these, you know, 8-10 games and, you know, they're still going to be bad. In my opinion, I don't really see the upgrade as much from Trubisky to pick it right now just because of the offensive limitations. Even if they, they do have – they have a very talented receiving core, but they don't have a really good receiving core yet. I still need – like, Deontay Johnson's great. Claypool, to me, is very Juju Smith-Schuster, like 50-50 every day. Um, Pickens is still coming into his own. Ferrari-Muth is good. But, like, I just, like, I don't know. I like to see him start by, let's say, week eight. But I think right now, just based on the schedule I was looking at, like, it might be better to go to the other half of the season. Um, you know, after the Eagles game, I would say, is when you could start playing them. Because then they do Saints, Bengals, Colts, Falcons, Ravens, Panthers, Raiders, Ravens, Browns. Like, that's good. That's, that's, that's not that bad of a defensive – thank you. That's not bad of a defensive uh, front they're going up against in that later half. But they play Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, Eagles, and then Saints five straight. Like, that, that, that's, a, that's a beating. That's called the way it is. 
So, I, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm looking at the same schedule as you, Brian. I think that right after that, I mean, you got the, the home game against the Bengals. I think that's very winnable, especially with Bengals' concerns right now. I think the Colts game is a little overstated in terms of what you could actually um, uh, see from Pickett. And then I think the the Falcons game is is an obvious is is basically the closest thing to a bye week. So I think those three games would probably be the things that I would eye. And quite frankly, maybe even the Saints game at home on November thirteenth. That's very possible. Agreed. All right. How do you feel about the juggernaut that was the Thursday night game with the Chiefs and the Chargers? Chargers led early, but Patrick Mahomes. I think it's fair to say that. He is fine with his new receiving core. Uh, I mean, throwing the ball to no matter who it is, despite Kelsey having a bad game, they uh, did really, really well. And a pretty inspirational pick six by that guy Watson who worked at Wendy's and now um, making an impact on the first Amazon Prime game. Uh, I thought the presentation was pretty good. Al Michaels, I really can't get tired of him. In uh, Kurt Herbstreit <laughs> was uh, pretty cool, pretty good in the uh, – in the um, playing the color commentary role, even though some people criticize, they felt he was a little too nervous or, but whatever, regardless that Thursday night on Amazon, I think is a good tradition. And uh, what do you have to say, Alex? Well, you know why he was so nervous? Cause he had Bezos, little beady eyes looking through the freaking uh, press box with Goodell there. Dude, how is Bezos so jacked? What does he put in like, his body? You know <laughs> he why? Doesn't, he doesn't work. Uh, true, true, true. <laughs> Fair enough there. I understand. He's, he wakes up at noon and he goes works out. <laughs> he's, he's Jack. He's Jack because he's worth two hundred plus billion dollars and doesn't want to look like a pushover. Clearly, clearly. But back to the game itself. Yes. Her her both quarterbacks played stellar. You know, people are concerned about Herbert with the ribs, but he seems he's going to be okay. It looks like he'll, he's set to start this upcoming week as well. But I, again, I think the best thing to take out of this is that Mahomes clearly has potential to show that no matter the receivers, he's going to play. He's going to play honestly. Maybe it's too early to say, but um, as long as he puts the years this way, he start playing like all of fame already again, still has many years. He's got to win a couple more Super Bowls, but this guy is making it work with people like McKinnon and, um, you know, Valdez Scantling and, and Juju, well, not Juju, Juju hasn't, uh, Miko Hardman. So far. yeah, Miko Hardman, like the, the, uh, Patrick Mahomes is just fine and, uh, doesn't come to pressure and, uh, shout to Matt Amendola who left the Jets and he uh, got some solid field goals as well, but um, it was definitely a battle and we can see a rivalry growing and, also, Keenan Allen was out for Herbert, but he still made it work for Mike Williams. And like I said, a fun, blunt force, hell of a game. Definitely a thriller. What do you guys think about this matchup? I got a lot of heat last week about the Mahomes take, saying he's like Payne Manning, Brett Favre, two Hall of Famers, just because, you know, he could throw five interceptions, but the way in which he plays could lead to interceptions. Yes, if anyone we had actually- some comments say some yeah. uh, mean things. Those Which we love, by the way. Keep it going. Oh, yes, we love that. Exactly. I'm all about the banter. I'm okay with being a mad dog Russo of this podcast. <laughs> um, but the way I'm going to say this, though, um, I think you, both of you probably watched the game. He almost threw about three or four interceptions that got dropped. So, yeah. Oh, yes. You know, and the, definitely the refs like to help him out. <laughs> and he definitely helped him out. So I just want to say, you know, the man <laughs> is flawless. And I'm not saying he's not going to be a Hall of Famer or he's not a top three quarterback in the league, but 
there is a flaw in his game, and it's that he's a gunslinger. Gunslingers are known to throw interceptions. Yes, he only throws seven to ten a year, but at the same time, he it's he has. The, if you look at his stats, he has those games where he throws three or four, and then he goes flawless for a couple of the weeks, and then he does three and four interceptions. So, you know, well, yeah. And I think I think he I think he gets a little too gun happy too because and he's got Andy Reid calling the shots half the time and he's been known for you know being pass first guy against you know against when he should have every opportunity to run the ball and, and chooses not to so I think that part of that hubris is definitely coming from the top down um, with Andy Reid but you know again we get a lot of hate in the comments from the show and. I say bring it on because we're we're equal opportunity we're equal opportunity offenders and exactly we, we want the blind watching the games with us we're gonna watch we're gonna watch it with the blind it's okay it's all good yeah absolutely but overall and we know what the hell we're talking good. about too yeah um, the Chiefs team looks good um, I have really no worries with them defense is proving me um, proving me wrong for my week one take so I'm happy about that uh, Hilaire is looking well McKinnon they have a good running back duo. Um, Chargers, the defense, you know, the defense played great, even if they let up 27 points. Derwin James airlifted J- uh, Kelsey, which yeah. I don't know. Do you guys think that was a fumble? I thought it was. I thought it was a fumble, too. Even Me if it too, wasn't but, a fumble, you know, it should have been on principle. They downplayed it. Yeah, Do we exactly. feel that the NFL and the refs come together and say, we need to make Mahomes look good? <laughs> Especially when he gets that Kermit voice going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it happens. It, it's a game. It is what it is. But uh, my one worry about uh, Chargers is the run game. Um, there was a, a rumor mill over off season that said that Eckler asked the team to get less carries um, because he wants to last longer and be more involved in the passing game than the rushing game. Um, if that's the case, Sony Michelle needs to have more than four carries in this game, and, and he should have the 14 carries that Eckler had because he is a workhorse, um, grounded pound north south guy. And then Eckler should just be the Danny Woodhead type kind of player from Chargers' time of old and, you know, get those screens and, uh, you know, uh, draws and some, uh, you know, outside run plays that he does better with uh, on that offense. Well, if Eckler wants to last longer, he could take a blue chew. But I think this offense looks a lot better when um, when uh, uh, Keenan Allen comes back because Mike Williams he ended up with eight uh, for a buck thirteen, but he was getting blanketed in the second half of that game. And I think that if you keep your um, if that if that front four for Kansas City keeps that um that that running game to uh, as limited as they were, I think the problem is that the Chargers become instantly um, one dimensional on offense and agreed shut down. I think that the, the, the pressure of the spotlight kind of got to Herbert to kind of almost do too much hero ball in the second half. And I think that typically that gets him in trouble, especially with a team that doesn't do well with uh, the spotlight as is. So I think um, later in the season, when they go, when, when Kansas city goes to the chargers, I think that um, there'll be a, a better game uh, to watch in terms of a, a, a rematch. Agreed. Dude. Probably, probably sponsored by blue chip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Detroit Lions offense scored another 30 plus points again. At first, the commanders looked really bad. You know, they somewhat put a fight up, but Lions kept scoring. Is the Lions offense legit with Jared Goff with weapons like Amon St. Brown and uh, Swift and, you know, 
people like that. The Lions uh, are Lions uh, cooking up something, trying to make their first playoff appearance since 2016. Are they on the way? I'm so excited. Like, I love football. Like, this is why I love football. Like, this team is fun to watch. It's old school fun. Like, Dan just, Campbell. That's all you got to say. T- yeah. And I told you last week they were going to beat the shit out of each other. And they beat the shit out of each other. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting only, to see. It's like a literally an advertisement. a bunch CCA. at the end. But um, I know what you mean for sure. And Aiden Hutchinson, like in the Jaguars, regret uh, passing up on him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And listen, like Goff, I, you know, Goff had a bad year last year. They were a bad team. Like if you look at his stats in, in LA, right? 32 and 12, 22 and 16. This is TD interception ratios, 28 and 7, 20 and 13. Okay. He started getting the two to one ratio. He's already at six and one right now. He's going to continue to grow. He's at his 100.2 QBR quarterback rating and a 55 QBR. He's at 13th right now in the league in QBR. He's doing well. He's doing his job. They're relying on the run game. Amon St. Brown's a number one receiver easily now. And the defense is playing very uh, Patriot-like um, in the way that, you know, they, they they play discipline and they play smash-mouth football. And I'm really excited for this team. And uh, I want to continue to see them develop and climb. It's exciting. I'm like, I'm proud. It's like watching. I'm proud of this team. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the kid getting off training wheels, right? Yeah, it's really. I almost, I was like, wow, like good for this team. Like they just, they got their, they got their act together after some mediocrity and some bad years. So it's good for them. And Washington, Carson Wentz actually looks really good. Um, Curtis Samuel, in my eyes, comeback player of the year. If he continues to play like this, just because of the sheer fact that he was hurt last year, and fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Went to Rasmus Hall in New York, just so you know. No, I, lo- I, I agree with everything you said, Brian. I'm really excited about this team. Um, I said they were kind of somewhere between um, a ceiling of seven wins. And, I mean, uh, I mean, a floor of seven wins and a ceiling of 10 wins only by virtue of a weak division and a weak conference. But I'm really excited about this team because I, we, I mean, we all shit on Dan Campbell last year for being a little crazy at, at his, you know, his opening interview with the press. But I think that his actual hard nosed, um, um, style and approach really resonate on this team, which is why they fought all the way to the last week of the season last year. And I think, you know, before, before we, you know, start making qualified standards about this offense, because we know what golf can do and his limitations from, um, from LA, even with a mastermind calling the plays over there, I think that I want to couch my expectations with them um, just by virtue of, you know, their opponents. I think they have, they're definitely a combination of um, a pretty decent, low expectation offense in conjunction with a schedule that permits them to really thrive and succeed. So I think they're going to put up numbers and look a lot better uh, maybe than they're made out to be. But in the meantime, I think that they're going to be um, a recipe for great football through the rest of the season. Uh, I'll say, I'll say this. You ever see someone that is an average and a skill set in some specific thing, right? So let's say school. An average student gets put in a really complex situation and he doesn't do well because it's overwhelming. And then you put him in an average situation and he flourishes. This is Jared Goff. He's not built for the complexity of the LA offense. He's built for a very simplified offense and he's doing well in it to each their own. You know what I mean? And if he continues to play like this, he, I don't care what he did in LA. 
if he's winning and putting up great stats in this offense, then it's great. You think maybe some of that is is just um, a byproduct of too much expectations heaped upon him in LA too? I would say too much expectations, and it's that it was a very complex offense with a lot of moving parts, and it's a it was a West Coast style offense, so it's a lot on timing and rhythm. And some people are good at that, some people are bad. It's just what it is. Like Aaron Rodgers, you know, there's there's not many people like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, you know, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, it's name a few that could just go to different systems and flourish. You know what I mean? Like that's you know, there's certain players like that. Um, you know, ubiquitous. You, 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 you know, you got a guy like Alex Smith, game manager, Kirk Cousins. They do well in certain situations and certain schemes. You like you wouldn't put Kirk Cousins in a Ravens offense. It wouldn't work. Well, well, my only my only counter to that is like you just said, Kirk Cousins did have McVay in Washington, and they actually thrived. And I'm wondering, do they actually dumb down the offense for him? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm trying to think back from those years and the offense really was pretty like, you know, very 2D. It wasn't anything crazy. It was Deshaun yeah. Jackson fade route, Pierre Garçon on a slant route and run the ball without the Morris. So wasn't it, you know what I mean? So Jordan Reed before, you know, two catches and a concussion. So like, you know, it just, it wasn't nothing crazy. So I'm curious if, uh, you know, he just needs a simplified offense. Yeah. Or just a support staff because, like you said, when you're heaped a bunch of expectations and you have the complexities of an offense and maybe uh, be on your shoulders, at a, even at a number one pick, I think that it may be too daunting sometimes. Yes. The Indianapolis Colts scored zero points against the Jacksonville Jaguars for a Boom. team that so many people had expectations. It's not an overreaction because the first two weeks we have seen very poor football. Matt Ice looks like he should have retired. Um not holding it down. Some weird decision makings from Frank Wright, Reich, and um, an embarrassing loss for Indianapolis. Do you panic if you're a Colts fan? Oh yeah, I, I would panic. It looked like Matty Ice left his balls in the cryogenic freezer. This guy looks nothing like the freaking MVP Matt Ryan that he once was. And I'm not saying that he was supposed to be going into the season, but I had purposely picked this team because of the stacked roster. I did that too. Um, I expect him to win 12 games and I still expect him to win 12 games by virtue of a week of a week um, division. So um, yeah, I'm pissed with what I'm seeing. My girls got Matt Ryan and fantasy. That's neither here nor there, but uh, um, they, hmm. need to, uh, they need to support. They, they, they need to start winning these freaking games. These are easy, supposed to be the easiest parts of their schedule. Disappointment. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what to say. Um, I mean, my, you know, we all thought that they were going to be Super Bowl contenders this year and now they're looking like bottom of the barrel. Um, I also think that Jacksonville is very underrated offense and they're starting to put it together. And I'm going to go back on my take last week and where I said that I thought that Trevor Lawrence wasn't all that he did 25 of 30 for 235 and two touchdowns. That's pretty good. Um, you know, James Robinson's back off the Achilles looking great. Uh, Matt, uh, you know, Mr. Matt Brown's running back. Etienne is looking like crap for fantasy. I'm sorry, bud. Pretty pissed um, about yet that. again. If you want to not make getting a trade, any, not getting any uh, touches whatsoever. Uh, it's yeah. Bad. If you want to make a trade, let me know. Um, so I don't know. Let's I really don't know. Sure. It feels bad. Um, Colts might be time to draft a quarterback. Uh, the free agent acquisition isn't really the new thing. Yeah, we'll see how the next few weeks dire wins, absolutely dire wins ahead for them. 
The uh, Eagles on prime time hold off the Vikings. Kirk Cousins just sucks in prime time. Uh, defense was pretty, it was a true highlight. And Jalen Hurts, how about him? You know, doing great both running and throwing the ball. Was this Jalen Hurts' coming of age game or do we still need to see more from him? I need to see more, but this is a path in a right direction. This man is falling out on a budget, I would say, just because of, uh, you know, they got they got so many weapons. And, you know, I hope that this continues to flourish and stuff like that for them because if this, this season goes the way they are, they might be cap-restricted at some point because of how many extensions that they, they're going to give out to this, these offensive players. And the defensive, the defensive front is just phenomenal on this team. We all know about that. In the last decade, they probably had the most consistent front seven in all of the NFL with Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and whatnot. Um, phenomenal. Darius Slay is playing like a top two cornerback with him and Ramsey, I would say, easily. The man is, you know, you leave Detroit and you do Great wonders. It's there. crazy. Great pickup. They got Bradbury. Like, this team is built, to, you know, for the distance. I'm excited. Uh, Minnesota, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed by them. I really thought that they could uh, beat this Eagles team. I didn't think – I thought it was a winnable game for them. Um, I said, you know, when Justin Jefferson, Jefferson barely uh, – just – ah. When, um, Jay, Jay Jefferson, Jay Jetta? Yeah, when he yeah, had still six for 48. So, listen, it happens. You know, you have bad games here and there. It is what it is. Like, looking back on this season, if the way the Philadelphia, like, continues to play – well, we say, oh, that's really a bad loss. It might be – it happens. They won the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? You don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so Jalen Hurts is looking the real deal. Uh, I'd like to see him when they play Dallas against the real defense. <laughs> yeah, I got – I mean, I really have, like, nothing to add to that. I thought it was, like, a, it was a perfect game all around. Um, definitely – I mean, perfect from a competitive standpoint, like, as a fan, what I want to see um, – I think the Eagles do have a little bit of improvement as this year goes on, but they definitely have the, the recipe and the formula and they're way ahead of schedule with Sirianni. I think um, he deserves, he's going to start deserving a lot more uh, credit and a light shine on him as, as the year continues to move on because he was really dealt a poor hand. I think that when he took over uh, when Peterson left, I think the only thing that concerns me is the distribution on the carries. I was expecting a little bit to uh, go around, to go around the running backs room with Gainwell and Scott, but that's again, that's just picking, that's nitpicking. Um, you know, this defense was unbelievable all night getting after it. Um, like you said, Slay was locked down. You had a, a sack from both Cox and Sweat on the front four. They were just hounding Kirk, Chris, um, uh, Kirk Cousins all night. And um, this team, uh, the sky's the limit. Like Brian said, I mean, I thought it was an overstatement at first, but after two weeks already, I'm starting to see little notes and, um, uh, uh, possibility for an NFC championship um, uh, crown. But I, if I ever talk to another ESPN representative in my life, I will tell them to never put on two fucking staggered time slot Monday night football games ever, ever again. That is a stupid Terrible. Show. Yo, man, terrible. they're going to keep doing that. They're going to yeah. keep doing that. They announced, I think next year they're going to do it three on but three it's separate stupid. weeks. They're hammered. That's stupid. They're hemorrhaging money. They're not even making money doing that. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, stupid marketers. Aaron Rodgers back to normal. Bears back to normal as well. Um, You know, Aaron Rodgers, 
it seems to be just fine killing it at prime time. Uh, any momentum the Bears had was crushed with Justin Fields being eat up by the Packers defense. Um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers defeating um, defeating the Bears on Sunday night. Anything to take out of that specifically? Packers still need to work on that chemistry in the past game because if you take away the long Sammy Watkins touchdown, um, Aaron Rodgers, he was efficient, but it wasn't like any big plays. But that's also just depends on the, you know, Aaron Jones went off this game. Yeah, so I was going to say the run game was a yeah. was solid and oddly underrated with Jones and Dylan. These guys could to combine can go as they both can have, you know, one could go for over 100, one could go like over 70. Pretty solid stuff in the run game for Green Bay. I, you know, I like this combination with them. I, I have a prediction for this season that Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, whatever the record is for most uh, combined 100 yard rushers on a team for a certain amount of games, I'm, I'm expecting them to break that because Dillon had 18 to 61 and easily could have hit 100 if he got a couple more carries. Um, so, you know, I could definitely see this team becoming a. 2014 Dallas Cowboy. I know I always mentioned Dallas, but like this is the way I look at this team. Like they do have a big deep threat in Alan Lazard. They do have a great running game. They have a poised quarterback. They have a good defense. Like they're gonna make some noise. And the Bears, I'm not talking about them. They're the Bears. You have a quarterback that threw seven balls for 70 <laughs> yards. Get off the field and at that point run wishbone and just do. Just play wildcat. I don't know what to say. Get him off the field. I need it. I, the, I honestly, I love Chicago so much. The Bears. I think they no longer need to be a franchise. It should just be a museum. <laughs> Oof. We're gonna get. Let's get some love from the Bears fans there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they're no strangers to getting shit on by Aaron Rodgers either, and I feel terrible because everybody I've met from Chi Town is really nice. Um, it's, it's, you know, except for the South Side. Uh, here, here's. <laughs> The only reason I'm yet to crown Green Bay as completely being back um, is because, like you said, Brian, they do have chemistry issues they have to work out. I think this team should be – Al probably- Lazard played only meh, and people expect him yeah. to be the number one. Yeah. and He's also think- off injury. Yeah, but but I also don't expect – I think people need to start couching and reserving their expectations as Lazard being anything even comparable to a number one like Devontae was. I think you can have – uh, a number one at more of a, a by committee uh, basis, just spreading the ball around, which I think actually serves Kansas City better as well. If you're going to um, take that approach to, you know, the distribution that you're getting the ball out to your receivers with, because I think this team is more successful. Like you said, Brian, 60, 40 run first when you combo with AJ Dillon and um, Aaron Jones, I think that if they make the transition successfully, Towards more of a run-first offense, I think the sky's the limit for this team because um, the division's still open for grabs. I think there's a lot of questions with Minnesota, even though I still like them in this division. Um, and the NFC overall is weak, so I think that they can still get back to being a 10-11 win team, but I'm not going to take anything from this game. They've always dominated the Bears. Like I said in previous weeks, they're a trade-away at receiver for being a real contender. Call up Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> so the Broncos barely beat Houston. Barely. Fans turned off in Denver. You turned off on Wilson already? No. 
No, I think that this is early season woes for a team that's still trying to figure out their identity. I wasn't sold on their coach when they hired him, and I think that they probably have a lot more to work out than they're willing to tell the press. Um, but I also think that Houston, on the same note, is also overperforming because you got Lovey Smith at the helm. Um, they're still playing with house money with their quarterback, um, with Davis Mills. And I think that they have nothing to lose. I think it's part of the early season woes where you're figuring out your offense and you have bad teams masquerading as 500 teams. So Couldn't agree more. Uh, I wish Lovey Smith was the Denver head coach because they would, they would be set up to, for real contention. I would think Nathaniel Hackett is just not there. As He's a good OC, but he's just not there as a – you know, as a head coach. And yeah, there's going to be some woes. They got to, they got to figure out their own and Houston, you know, working with house money. I'm excited for this team. I'm telling you, I keep on saying it. I said in the preseason previews, this team has potential. And I, uh, the only thing that does concern me is Judy with that ankle. Let's see how many weeks he's out because I think that they're going to start tailoring that offense um, as closer to a, a run first offense with more balls towards the center of the field with the tight end. So we'll see what, how that plays out. The Rams and Falcons, a little too close recovered for LA. Atlanta scores 17 unanswered points on them, but they do hold it off. You know, LA after getting destroyed against the Bills and then barely holding on against a rebuilding Falcons team is this team also really suffering from a a Super Bowl hangover? And is that clear? Yeah. And we could also give some praise for Marcus Mariota, at least, you know, just trying to earn his paycheck. But uh, Cooper Cup still scored touchdowns for them. Plenty of times in the red zone, Matt Stafford played really well. And um, Los Angeles holding it down against Atlanta. But a lot of questions for them. And then the last game we could discuss, unless anyone have anything to add with that matchup. Uh, Marcus Mariota, good for him. I'm excited to see that he's actually, you know, he's playing decent. And, uh, you know. You throw two Kyle, picks, though. He threw two picks. That was, two more, yeah, that was situational. I think one of them was actually a deflection, um, if I remember. Uh, LA is LA. I'm not really worried about them. So, you know what? Learning lessons for both teams. Hey, yeah, get ex- excited for also for Drake London, the first overall, um, the first round pick for uh, yeah. Nana too. You've been I think showing. I, the only the only point I have with uh, the Rams because we said you know from the from the get go at the preview episode that they're going to be working through a lot of shit, um, micromanaging and adjusting through the season to get ready for the playoffs. I think this offense takes a um, a quantum leap with Van Jefferson back healthy when it's when it's time. So I just want to make that point. Great job. And the last matchup before upsets, whimpers, and thrillers. Trey Lance is out. Season-ending ankle injury. Jimmy G is in. They route the Seahawks 27-7. to And um, 49ers seem to be back to where they were last season, which did lead them to NFC Championship. Do you think they can repeat it again now that officially Jimmy G is the guy? Absolutely. It's a shame about Trey Lance, but uh, your team just got better through an injury. Uh, your team should be in win-now mode, and Jimmy Garoppolo is a win-now kind of quarterback because he's you don't have to go through the growing pains of a, I call him a rookie quarterback because he hasn't he hasn't really played. On uh, Trey Lance, you know, he, Jeff Wilson's playing very well in the running back uh, 
in the backfield with uh, Mitchell out. And, you know, the receiving core is stellar, in my opinion, with Samuel and Ayuk. So, you know, I expect them to make a playoff run absolutely with this. And, Gino, you know, Seattle, it's Seattle. Gino Smith, you know, I'm happy he's still starting because, you know, it's just nice to see that he's getting punched in the face in the locker room. So that's always good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Matt, what do you think, brother? Well, I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. San Francisco, especially, they've also had a major loss with uh, Mitchell out, and Wilson held his own for the 49ers. But I, I think so, too. I think they're more exciting than you think, especially on the defensive side. And um, this team is going to be in a better place, like Brian said now. And even though Jimmy G might not always put up insane fantasy stats and he might – not exactly woo you. The guy simply knows how to win, and that's what counts in this league most of all, a winning quarterback. The guy has led you to a Super Bowl, led you to two NFC championships, and now with some upgrades and a healthy bunch, especially in your receiving core, there should be so much to be excited for in San Francisco. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think this is a Super Bowl roster, and um, it just—I just don't know what to make of Jimmy G with uh, with Shanahan, with or without. Oh, him. and also wait until uh, uh, don't forget Greg Kittle coming back too. Yeah, it's a huge yeah. addition. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So now we can round out before Brian has to uh, do his work. Um, of the engineering world, we get about five minutes to go here. Upsets, whimpers, and thrillers. Here we go. Each week, we pick three games. That's how we make our predictions. Which one will be an upset? Which one will be a whimper and suck? Which one will be a thriller? I started it last week. Brian, it's your turn this week, and then Alex will start next week. So let's start it. We'll start with our upsets. Brian, who do you see performing an upset? This week. So I think this week is probably the most evenly 50-50 split, um, uh, like, team balance and and opponents in all the schedule this year. Just based on it, it was very hard for me to pick a team for an upset. But I'm going to go the Lions over the Vikings. At six six even at this moment. Okay, why do you say that? I just think that they have, the Lions offense is in sync in, in ways I've never seen them in sync before. And that's even with the Matt Stafford, Marvin Jones, uh, uh, Golden Tate teams. They're playing high octane uh, offense, uh, very smash mouth football, running the ball, and with the compliments of their receiving core. Um, and the Vikings, I think. That was very demoralizing to them, and I don't think they're going to be able to recover quickly off of a short week after the after the Monday night game. So, excellent points right there. What do you say, Alex? Where's your upset coming from this week? Well, originally I had Detroit uh, defeating Minnesota, but um, uh, if I if I need a fo- uh, if I need a follow up here, I actually have the Commies upsetting Philadelphia. Um, Oh, that's a bold one. That's a good one. I think this is one of those unsung kind of underrated, ugly games that's within division where there's a lot of blood um, going back a few years. And I think that uh, Philly just gets hit in the teeth early and uh, doesn't quite recover and has to play catch-up ball. So I I have um, Washington winning this game um, in an ugly, low-scoring game, something like, you know, 16-9 or 16-13, something like that. 
Okay, okay. And my upset, even though it's slight, and we're getting technical here because Brian is right, they are pretty even matchups. I do think the Houston Texans are going to get their first win on the road against Chicago. As you said, Davis Mills, the third-round pick last year, is showing that he has some core there. They are staying in games. And um, I see this uh, collapse of the Chicago Bears just continue, especially with Justin Fields looking like he has some identity crisis and all he can really trust is uh, Montgomery to make some noise on the rushing side. But I think that um, the Houston Texans are going to just keep are just going to keep being a mess and watch out because Damien, Damien Pierce could be a legit running back in this league and take advantage of a weak defense. Um, they could pull it off and finally go one, one, one little revenge game for Lovey Smith. Oh, yeah. clearly. Yes. Wow. The, uh, I didn't former bear Super Bowl. Uh, the former, he took him to the, he took the bears to the Super Bowl and, um, you know, get that glory swings. Mexico with Devin Hester, the uh, yep. only opening kickoff Super Bowl yeah. touchdown. Wow. That was as good as it got. So let's talk about our whippers. Brian, which game is going to suck and be boring? <laughs> oh, see, I picked Texan versus Texans versus Bears, just in the sense <laughs> that I think that both teams, I, it's a hard week. And I just think that uh, I think the Texans are going to play so well that I think that the ba- how bad the Bears are, it's a whimper because it's I'm going to feel bad for the Bears. It's not that both teams are so bad. It's that the Texans are going to absolutely destroy the Bears in the sense that it's going to be unbearable to watch. So I'm going to really? whimper as I shut this game off. Yeah, only a three-point favorites in Chicago. Unbearable. Definitely take that money line. It's unbearable. It's I'm going to whimper. That's how unbearable it's going to be. I'm going to be like, oh, my God the Chicago Bears should play in the NCAA. Yo, man, the over-under is 45 and a half. They, they, I guess they really think there'll be some scoring in this. But regardless, whatever. What's going to be a whimper, Mr. Ranelio? Well, you gave me a layup. Uh, Falcons-Seahawks is virtually unwatchable. Um, <laughs> it, it actually it actually tastes horrible coming out of my mouth saying that. So, um, I, I will not be watching that game, and uh, I can't wait to watch the highlights on YouTube Sunday night. yo my dudes i think the whimper coming out of this week is actually going to be san francisco and denver i think this is going to be a sunday night matchup where san francisco is only a point and a half favorites which both teams still trying to figure out what the hell they're doing clearly the 49ers now has jimmy g starting I think against a Denver defense, which is pretty good, I think they could hold it off. But in return, you will not see Russell Wilson connecting with especially Jared Judy out. I don't know if Cortland Sutton will finally come of age himself. It's taking a while for that guy, but I think that game is not going to be must-watch TV. And the thriller this week, Brian, in your eyes. I think it's going to be a straight-up shootout, Bills versus Dolphins. The Bills versus Dolphins in battle of undefeated foes. Yeah, I think that it's going to be – I think that the Bills uh, defense is going to have an off week just because they're due for one. It's very hard for a defense to go 3-0. I feel like two is going to ride into this week very high, and I expect a shootout. I expect a combination of eight touchdowns 
scored by the quarterbacks combined. Eight touchdowns scored by the quarterbacks. Okay, no complaints there. Mr. Ronelio. Yeah, took the words out of my mouth. But um, if I'm going back up, uh, uh, I got to tell you, gentlemen, um, I'm looking forward to this Cowboys-Giants Monday nighter. I think oh, you know we are too. Yeah, we'll be up on the I, show with that. It's not it's not the two powerhouses that we'd expect, but mm-hmm. I think it'll be a thriller by virtue of just raw aggressive nature. Um, this is a deep rivalry. It's bad blood all over the place. I think that it's just got um, a tough, um, competitive, hard nosed game uh, written all over it. Absolutely. And for my thriller, at one and a half point favorites, you have the Packers and the. Buccaneers Packers are going to Tampa Rogers yep. and Brady possibly probably for the last time ever, unless they meet in the postseason, it's going to be as fun as it gets. I mean, both quarterbacks are they're special gentlemen. And I understand they probably are not probably they are polarizing figures off the field, but they are the face of our generation when it comes to stellar quarterbacks and seeing them compete one last time together, at least guaranteed it's going to be special. Clearly, uh, especially with Mike Evans out and Godwin hurt, there's questions for what big he's going to do with his weapons. Roger's still trying to find his needs with his new receiving core. But regardless, when you have two of the greats of all time going against each other, it doesn't get any better than that. So, all right, Brian, you go save the world in the engineering world. Alex, you continue your amazing artistic talents at giving opportunities to other artists in the world. It's going to be another good week of football if it's anything like last week. And we will see you a week from tonight. And definitely you want to see me and Brian's reaction. And it will be honest and fun. Fuck you, Cowboys. All right, anything else before I go? I don't like him either right now. Fuck him, too. Oh, <laughs> come on, man. That's funny. But, all right. It's going to be fun, then. It's all It's all love. Do one act of kindness today, my friends. Uh, let's enjoy the games this weekend. Cheers. All right. Good, and everyone. hopefully when we may meet again, Aaron Judge beats the all-time season singing record. Woo, yes, sir. Let's Got go. One baseball. All right. See you later, guys. <laughs> See you next week. NFL Bye-bye. is king. Take care, boys. It was a good conversation and productive conversation. Great job, gentlemen. Awesome time as per usual. And I'm looking forward to discussing football with you guys in a week from now. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdCovoPod, we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So we're back on Monday with great friend of the show and Sirius XM radio producer Danny Lynch for another deep, stellar, incredible, and entertaining podcast you do not want to miss. That is dropping Monday. We're back a week from today on Wednesday to review week three of the NFL and preview week four. And then we start October. Oh my goodness. Ryan Page is getting married next Saturday. What? No. Yeah, next Saturday. Whatever. October 1st, he's getting married. So congratulations to him. And uh, I clearly love you, Ryan, because I'm going seven hours away to get to that wedding. And I'm broke as shit. But uh, 
you know, we'll all make it possible. But good stuff on the horizon for everybody who is involved with this podcast in one way or the the other. And uh, most importantly, good stuff on the horizon for you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, the Productive Nation. Thank you for making this possible as we keep growing our fan base. Oh, what a lovely time indeed. But I'll be back with you on Monday and then Wednesday after that. And then we have some more incredible episodes in the following weeks to come. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Enjoy what is in store. Take it all in. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. I will see you on Monday, and I love each and every single one of you. Till then, have a great, great time. All right, see you later. Peace. All she needed was some.